the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Situation Report. Very glad to have you joining me. My name is Jeremy Stolnicker. I am your host. And this is the show, of course, where we do our best every single episode to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. So much involved in that statement, of course. Culture is changing all of the time. What we have to understand, in spite of or in addition to the way culture is changing, we have to understand the influences that are changing culture. So often those influences are inherently political. Today, I have on a friend. We've talked to him before. He is running for office from the state of Florida, Corey Mills. Uh, Corey served in the United States military. He now runs a company very concerned about security internationally, has an incredible view on what's happening around the world, great insights, which he'll share with us today. But also, as you'll hear at the end of this episode, has a vision for what our politicians, our representatives in government should be doing. That really, it all comes back to an understanding of what the Constitution is and how we as Americans should respond to that and should interact with that and really how our politicians should protect us as they represent us uh, on a national level. Very grateful to have on, once again, my friend, Corey Mills. Good to have back Corey Mills. Corey's been with us uh, several times, of course, is a friend to us personally, a friend to our show, running for office, got a lot of things going on, and uh, we wanted to catch up and uh, reconnect. Uh, Corey, thanks for coming back on, man. Really appreciate it. We struggled a little bit today because we're both very good at a lot of things. Technology is not in that bucket, though, so thanks for fighting through that. (laughs) Appreciate it. No, I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, sorry for the uh, technical difficulties. We've tried multiple uh, platforms to try and make sure this worked, but uh, we got it done. Well, we got it done. Um, For those that are not familiar, Corey is a U.S. Army combat veteran, Fox News contributor, founder and CEO of Payson International, and we've talked a lot about that in previous episodes. But uh, I want to start with maybe your worldview, because a lot's happening in the world right now. This week is uh, one year since kind of the fall of Afghanistan or fall of Kabul, however we, we would want to talk about that. Um, what a crazy thing. It's hard to believe it's been a year. Um, maybe talk about that for a minute, your perspectives on that, what has changed. Um, Al-Qaeda leader was killed this week as well. So a lot of things going on in, in that world, kind of internationally, and I know that's your world. So bring us up to date on some of that. Well, I mean, when it comes to the kind of, uh, I guess, the annual anniversary of Uh, one year since the fall of Afghanistan. I think that, you know, we have to go back to the fact that this regime, this presidency actually created an unconditional, you know, withdrawal. And in that he was willing to leave Americans behind. He was willing to leave our SIVs and the P2s and all those who had supported us through 20 plus years of war fighting and also $86 billion in weapons, equipment, armament. I mean, he's now armed the most well-equipped uh, terrorist organization in the world. I mean, he's, he's armed Taliban. He's armed the Haqqani Network. He's armed ISIS Khorasan. Um, 
And, you know, I'm not saying that us fighting in Afghanistan and Iraq is going to make America any safer. Um, I don't necessarily fall into the endless war theme, but I will say that once you're already invested and once we've already got that much time there, you almost feel a bit of commitment towards those who fought alongside us to do the right things. I think that was just something that was totally abandoned. Um, when it comes to Ukraine, however, you know, kind of switching into world policy, you know, we have to acknowledge the fact that Ukraine was never supposed to be a kinetic warfare element for us. Um, to be honest, it was really something that we should have been looking at from a more geopolitical alignment perspective, which I've written about a lot on, on Great Superpower Resurgence. But this is about the China, Russia, Iran geopolitical alignment or the axis of evil, if you will. You know, their goal was to bog down America into another kind of endless kinetic warfare while they utilize economic resource warfare against America. Mm -hmm. You know, this was about expanding the Eurasian border to take over, you know, Donetsk and the Mariupol and the Black Sea, but also Africa and Oceania so that Chairman Xi could create what they called the One Road, One Belt Initiative, which Mm -hmm. is essentially a maritime silk route. And what that allows them to do is take over the portage and railways of these nations, which cuts off supply chain from the Horn of Africa, from the Red Sea, the Mediterranean, the Black Sea, the Persian Gulf, et cetera, and essentially try and choke us off. And then at the same time, you know, in a triple pincer, they're continuing to work around in the Darien Gap and create fentanyl, which is a true weapon of mass destruction in America that's killed over 100,000 Americans just last year. And then, you know, simultaneously go into OPEC to try and eliminate the petrodollar to replace it with a petro wand so they can go ahead and attack the U.S. dollar from being the global currency, which props us up as a nation. That was the economic piece of things. And so, you know, the, the Biden administration and their just multitude of failed policies, you know, when it comes to foreign and domestic policies, they bit into this 50, 60 billion dollar trap in Ukraine when in reality, the way that we could have defeated our adversarial nations is to stop the reliance upon people like Russia and China. And we could have gotten back to an America first uh, increase in domestic production, energy independence, uh, shut our borders down, made sure that we're protecting our farmlands because food security is directly to yep. national security. Yep. And we could have then controlled our own destiny so that we can gotten our, our GDP to national debt uh, imbalance, which is about 137% right now, which is insolvency as a, as a world. That would allow us to get it back down to where we could have actually had neutrality and become an exporter of goods, not just a continual importer of goods by adversarial nations like China and Russia, who were funding to then fight against us. Yeah. As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his My Slippers. For a limited time, you will save $90 on a pair of my slippers. This blowout sale of the year won't last, so order now. Mike has taken two years to develop the my slippers, and they are designed to wear both indoor and out all day long. Made with my pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, they are also made with quality leather suede. Call 1 800 870 0283. Use the promo code SITREP or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square and use promo code SITREP. This offer will not last long. So order now with promo code SITREP at MyPillow.com. Man, that brings up so many issues that we've discussed on on this show and I know is is being discussed more broadly, but kind of two things. One is what what's the exit in Ukraine? I mean, what happens next? I know you, you can't exactly know that, but if you were to look at it, when this started, people were asking me, what's going to happen here? 
Um, I actually had a long conversation with Jack Posobiec about this. We were at a conference and, and we were talking through this. And um, and I said, it's going to last two weeks. It's going to be a quick thing. They're going to get what they want. There's going to be a negotiation. They've been fighting for a long time over, um, you know, the region that they really want to secure. It's going to be over in a couple of weeks. Clearly, I was wrong. <laughs> so that's why I'm not an analyst on uh, geopolitics. But um, now my perspective is that there is very little incentive for certainly Ukraine to negotiate anything. The money that's flowing into Ukraine, the uh, popularity of the president in Ukraine. I mean, there's so many reasons to take this thing out as long as possible. But in between Russia and the oligarchs and the leadership in Ukraine, you've got the people who are struggling. Um, we've talked about this before, but I've been in Ukraine several times and have friends there, um, networks of churches that I'm connected to. And it's, it's heartbreaking because they're caught in the middle. What happens? I mean, how does this how does this come to some kind of a resolution if it does? So that's my first question. The second one is regarding China and, and kind of their role um, outside of this. So maybe we can get to that. But let's start with that. What happens next? Well, I mean, we, we really missed the boat on this. I was in Ukraine uh, out in the Donetsk area and things like this in 2015 after the Russians first came yep. in that incursion. Yep. And we had an opportunity at that stage to have utilized the 1994 Budapest Memorandum as a violation of what had just taken place from international sovereignty, something that the Federation of Russia, America, the U.S. and others had signed on to. But, you know, everyone has continued to look at America as the world's police, and we don't financially have that responsibility to continue to be this way. I mean, we should have been looking at Europe and a, and a stronger coalition. I mean, Germany was a big component of why Russia is as strong as it is, because they got rid of their nuclear and coal energy and became 100% dependent and reliant upon Russia. We have to acknowledge the fact that, you know, Ukraine has its own independent GDP, but when we're sending 50 and 60 and 70 billion dollars to, and I'm sorry, one of the most corrupt nations in the world, we know they're not going to turn around and want to make any type of an agreement because right. they're going to continue yeah. to try and benefit from this. And right. I think that we saw this recently where a woman was actually trying to flee the country with 27 or 28 bags, suitcases full of cash. And so American cash. And so we have to start identifying the fact that, you know, we played our hand wrong uh, as America when it comes to a foreign policy perspective. We should have understood that this was a bigger portion of the uh, economic resource warfare that was launched by Vladimir Putin and Chairman Xi against the West. Uh, I think that we should have acknowledged the fact that Iran was going to be a major part of this because they were going to use Iran as a proxy uh, militia, essentially, to yeah. distract away from the incidents and that were occurring. So that way they could try and force America back into some type of a negotiation utilizing Russia as the mediator for an Iranian nuclear uh, a mm -hmm. deal uh, or some type of a treaty. And I think that, you know, we should have really identified the fact that what this is as a whole is that. We, we knew that Russia and China had aligned itself and they were utilizing Iran as a proxy. We knew that Iran was going to stop trying to come to the table so that we were forced to utilize the foreign affairs minister Lavrov out in Russia, which means that we couldn't fully separate from them. And we knew that Joe Biden was so weak and feckless and inept when it comes to foreign policy. You know, as Secretary Gates once said so himself, you know, but Joe Biden's the only person he knows has been 100 percent wrong when it comes to foreign policy 100 percent <laughs> of the time. And that was his own set death. Yeah. And so, you know, the reality is, is that we never should have been pledging 40 and 50 billion dollars. We should have been looking at the United Nations Security Council. We should have been looking at the EU because this is more their problem than it is America's problem. We should have been identifying that this is an economic resource warfare, not kinetics, and that if we 
basically look at diplomatic isolation. We look at further sanctioning of their banks, which the UK, by the way, was the only one who was really heavy on sanctions against Russian banks and Russian oligarchs, um, that we would have to create something which is a very unpopular conflict for Russia that allows them to start falling back or forcing China to put more of their money into this conflict, which they would have lost the appetite for and pulled away, especially as America moved towards more independence and more control over our own domestic production. So, you know, this really was a misstep. We didn't see what the ultimate goal was, which was the China-Russia, you know, attempt to remove the U.S. dollar from a global currency uh, to prop themselves up. We did not see that this was about supply chain warfare, and that's why they wanted to control that Silk Road uh, maritime. We, we did not see that this was not the counterterrorism operations of Afghanistan and Iraq that we had fought before. This is a totally different type of cyber economic resource warfare that we're not accustomed to. Right. And I just think that, you know, had they read some of my articles that I've published over 38 <laughs> of them from like a year ago, right. where right. I was warning about this very thing, or Jack Posobiec, who is a absolute expert when it comes yep. to China and their end game. 100%. I think that, you know, we would have really have handled this much differently and it would have made America much stronger and much safer. Um, so China is an interesting player in this early on, you know, there were a lot of folks, pundits who were saying that even some analysts were saying that China is going to use this as an opportunity to equate what's their relationship with Taiwan to Russia's relationship with Ukraine, that they will then use what's happening in Ukraine as cover or as a screen to move into Taiwan. They didn't do that. Now, economically, we know China is struggling. I don't know. Imploding seems like a pretty strong word. Uh, People are using it. I I don't know that I would use that. They're struggling economically. Um, Nancy Pelosi's in Taiwan. There was a lot of saber rattling up to this point. It doesn't seem like anything's happened. They've said China has that there will be live fire um, exercises when Nancy Pelosi leaves. <laughs> uh, what happens there? Why haven't they secured Taiwan, as they've been talking about for a long time? Um, there's kind of the paper tiger theory that they've seen the pushback that Ukrainian people have made against a country like Russia. They don't want to experience the same thing in Taiwan. Is that, what ha- is that what's happening? Is there something else going on? What can we expect there? Well, I think that they still have full intent of essentially violating the Taiwan, a Taiwanese agreement the same way they violated the one country, two system framework yeah. of Hong Kong that existed. Right. Right. I think that it's about a timing. I think that they're starting to slowly uh, develop coalitions that are in the area from an economic property. And that's why they're spending so much time in Saudi Arabia. And that's why they're spending so much time in OPEC is that when they make this decision, they want to make sure that one, they're economically strong enough to be able to withhold any of the consequence of this. But also they want to try and you know, solicit as many uh, willing participants to try and get behind them as they can. Look, this is about a, a liberal new world order, to quote some of the press sure. secretaries. Yeah, sure. Under sure. This is about whoever controls WHO and WEF. Remember, WHO is the one that advocates on the ideas of open borders. WEF believes we should go into a singular economic you know, dominancy. Um, and even so much so that, you know, Joe Biden is now looking at 13 pandemic treaties that would actually violate and supersede our own constitution. Um, these are greater substantial geopolitical issues than just one country trying to take another. This is, uh, yes, about trying to take care of the 65% of the world's, uh, microchips, which we know is all based out of, uh, Taiwan, but this is more about a political um, uh, saber rattling, if you will, to see who will back down. And Joe Biden has continually played the weak card across the stage. I mean, he is an embarrassment uh, to America, to our strength. I mean, he has 
done everything to not epitomize our peace through strength mentality that Reagan once had. Yes. Uh, President Trump, who was one who actually held our adversaries accountable and, and even our, our, our fellow allies, they knew that they had to pay their 2% of GDP for NATO and we wouldn't continue to cover the bills. I mean, this is what we needed was another four years. And, and you know, under the Trump administration, what we got was four years where Russia, China, and Iran knew that this was their opportunity yes. to strike. This was their opportunity to expand. This is their opportunity to try and a, a, advance their goals. And while they won't fully achieve it in this administration, they are getting ever and ever more close to becoming the world economic power. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy situation. Someone was asking me, what would President Trump do in Ukraine? And I, we know what he would do because he did it. He sent... Uh, Marines to do joint operations or joint uh, um, uh, training with the Ukrainian military. And again, it's a show of force or show of strength. And we have completely um, walked away from that, which is, that's another issue entirely, but how we've handled it is a mess. And I don't think we're going to get out of it until someone understands how to negotiate um, with strength and with consequences, as you just mentioned. Um, internationally there's a lot going on but domestically there's an awful lot happening as well uh you're running for office um talk to us about that why you're running uh what you hope to accomplish and kind of where you are you know in this campaign cycle as we're getting very close to uh election day i mean i think that anyone who you know tunes into any mainstream media has kind of heard what the issues are regardless of the political pundits that may spin it one direction or the other i mean we know that we're seeing record high inflation because of this physically irresponsible spending by the government. I, I personally think that the 50, $60 billion we're sending to Ukraine is part of that physical irresponsibility because you can't continue to throw money at a problem when you can't recognize what right. the actual issue and solution right. is. Right. Uh, I think we have to identify with the fact that this open border, soft on crime policy that the Biden administration continues to push as far as their America last agenda only really impacts the everyday American. It terrorizes the communities. It increases the criminality that we see across the country. And not to mention that you've got 3 million plus people who are illegally sitting in our nation, violating our sovereignty. So, you know, for me, as an American who served in the military, who has come back more times than not with those buddies of mine who are in the flag draped coffins, we, we have to acknowledge the fact that, you know, we swore an oath and that oath doesn't expire just because we take off that uniform. Right, right. You know, we I'm a father of two. And I couldn't go confidently today and say that I'm leaving my sons a safer, freer, and more prosperous America. You know, I can't even say that it's as nice or as free or as peaceful as it was when I grew up in the 80s. I mean, yeah. it's one of those things where I feel like if I died today, I would feel like a failure as a patriot, as an American, as a father to not leave a stronger society for my kids. And I mean, look, there's there's been a lot of domestic turmoil and a lot of this. We're all responsible. I'm responsible. You're responsible. We are. We fell asleep at the wheel on what was happening over the last two decades where the left has not only taken over and indoctrinated our children through the predator prey mentality of our educational system that they're abusing, but they've tried to create a godless agnostic society so they can act with impunity and without moral compass directioning and try and act as if our constitution is not based and fundamentally supported by our Judeo-Christian beliefs in the line of jurisdiction from God to man. And so they're continuing to try and break down the fabric of America, to tear down the nuclear family, remove fathers from the picture, which is why a lot of these mass shootings, in my opinion, is a result of advocation of fatherless societies for decades and decades. It's not a weapons issue whatsoever. And the infringement upon our constitutional rights and liberties makes us no safer as a nation. It actually just proves what Joe Biden said, where our constitution is not absolute. Yep. And so 
we have to fight against this. We have to get back to an America first agenda. We have to understand that we are the last shining beacon of freedom, liberties and rights in the world. And if it can't exist here, it can't exist anywhere. And to quote Ronald Reagan, you know, when it comes to socialism or communism, that does, you know, heaven doesn't want it and hell already has it. And, you know, we have to acknowledge the fact that I can sit and stand and yell at Fox News all day long, or I can throw my hat in the ring, not being a politician, being a statesman, understanding what is to restore America's voice, understanding what public service is about, understanding the fact that I've even pledged to volunteer 100% of my salary back to a woman, child, or veteran charity back in our community. I've also pledged that I will push legislation that blocks and stops any member, their wife, and anyone who works in their office from buying, selling, and trading stocks while they're an elected official. Huh. It's direct manipulation yeah. of the stock prices, and they're enriching themselves off the American people the same way that they enriched themselves through the military-industrial complex when they sent us over to bleed for their wars. You know, we have to stop the AUMF and return the powers back to Congress. We have to stop this out-of-control executive orders that's going on at the White House. We have to stop the ideas of this predator-prey mentality on our children, and we have to protect the America first and American exceptionalism that once existed. Hey, talk to me. So, you know, in, in war, there's strategy and there's tactics. Um, you just outlined an incredible strategy that needs to be adopted and executed on a tactical level as an individual going into the political world. Um, can you talk us through that a little bit? What yeah. are your, <laughs> your tactics, techniques and procedures for getting to the accomplishment of that strategy because this seems to be where we lose really good people they get caught up in the machine and um you know a lot of these things just don't happen what are you taking in that's going to change that well first thing is is that you know i've not taken i won't take any pack lobby or any type of establishment money whatsoever i mean this has been mostly funded by myself and the reason why is because when i call people and talk to our constituents i tell them from the very beginning The government's already taken enough out of your pocket. I'm not calling you for fundraising. I'm calling you to tell you what I'm going to do when I get to Congress and how we're actually going to take back our nation. So I'm the most endorsed national candidate across the country. I mean, we've got over 21 members of Congress who who supported and endorsed us, like Congressman Jim Jordan, uh, Senator Ted Cruz, Congressman Ronnie Jackson, uh, CPAC, ACU. And I don't parade them around for fundraising. The reason that I've got their endorsements is because they understand the pieces of legislation and solutions that I'm trying to bring to the table. You know, I'm endorsed by the Oil and Gas Workers Association because I understand that our energy supply is a commodity. Therefore, it's not based on the here and now. It's based on oil trading futures. So all we have to do is unleash American energy, and we're going to see a dollar and a half, two dollar drop tomorrow in our actual overall costs. I know for a fact that, so I'm a constitutionalist, and when I say that, I mean that as far as I know our seven articles, our 27 amendments. And when I've got enough of go-go juice, I can tell you exactly <laughs> what years they're ratified. Right. And, you know, you ask most conservatives who call themselves conservatives, name me five amendments in there that's not the first or second amendment that every American knows. And most of them will draw a blank on their face. Mm. And the issue with that is that means that they don't understand the roles and responsibilities of what their actual job is. They don't understand the limitations of government like our 10th amendment that talks about the fact that we should be limited to the United States constitution. Anything outside of that should be a state and individual right. That's why they violate our state and individual rights. Cause they don't know they what don't the know parameters what of government right. really is. We right. need limited government. We need a stronger, more empowered American, you know, uh, of, of citizenry. We need our Republic to be strong. And so one of the things that I'm looking at, where can federal legislation help us? Well, 
I've come up with pieces of legislation that no one else is presenting. Like for example, when it comes to our kids in our schools, so I'm a school choice guy. I believe in the idea that the money should follow the kids. And that's not a new idea. That's been around forever. But what I also have thought about is the fact that we need to leave that to states' rights issues. But what we can do at the federal level is this. One, I want to pass a piece of legislation that holds the publishing houses like McGraw-Hill or any of the others accountable and their executives under a felonious offense. If they publish pornographic inappropriate material with the explicit intent of distributing to kids or minors. We also need to come back because if the, if the material is not in the schools, it doesn't matter how woke the teacher is. They don't have it to teach. From. Sure. Right. Second right. thing is we need to yeah. label each one of our books the way we label our movies, a PG-13 or yeah, an R rating. That way we know an age appropriate material for the children. We need to stop any, not just K through three parental rights, most any sexualization of our children in schools. That is the role of the parents, not the roles of the teachers. We have to get a parental bill of rights that actually ensures that parents' rights are not denied and not infringed upon. So we have to look at things like this. When it comes to our southern borders, which we know is running rampant with drug, human, and health crisis, we have to understand that just putting up the wall, which is a good first step, is not enough. As you know and I know, we used to have the surveillance balloons that we would launch that would have a 250, 500-mile radius that would feed into a talk. That would allow us, if we had large you know, migrant caravans, for an actual, you know, quick response unit to be able to go out there from the CBP or an ICE unit and be able to actually thwart the enemies. That wall would slow them. Then we got the surveillance capabilities. But what we need to do further than that, defund our sanctuary cities. Hmm. We need to stop these cities that are actually incentivizing criminal and, you know, violations of our sovereignty. We have to make Title 42 not an emergency response, but a permanent response yep. where we can immediately yep. expel those who are violating our sovereignty. And we have to look again at chain migration and immigration moratorium so that we can do a proper industrial workforce review to make sure there's enough jobs for existing Americans, and if not, increase our production capabilities. And we have to stop and look at the birthright citizenship laws. It shouldn't be that if you violate our sovereignty to come over and you have a child, that child is automatically a citizen. That was not the reasoning behind birthright citizenships. So we need to take a step back and start looking at immigration reform in a whole new light. We need to start taking a step and looking at what it means to have an America first agenda and being a producer of goods, not an importer of goods, controlling our own destiny, controlling our own energy. We need to look at things like the 1985 law of the sea that talks about the fact that your rights to resources and minerals doesn't just stop at your landmass, but the actual the shelf itself that can go 50 to 200 miles offshore. We have the capabilities and the answers for our financial woes underneath our feet. And we're trying to drive towards this idea of a green new socialist deal, which is the build back broke opportunity that relies upon lithium and yep. all the other things that we don't produce ourselves. 15 of the 16 rare minerals is controlled by China. We have been so far behind on resource warfare when it comes to controlling Ethiopia and the potash that's utilized for fertilizer, when it comes to the rare mineral mines like lithium and things like that, which, by the way, we give them $2.2 trillion in lithium accessibility in Afghanistan. Yep. So yep. we have to start understanding pieces of federal legislation that puts America first, that maintains our safety. And let me tell you, we have to do a better job at taking care of our military and our veterans. Hmm. Our veterans have been continually put to the back of the line. We had veterans sleeping in freezing parking garages while $86 million right. was going towards hotels for right. illegal aliens violating our sovereignty. Right. You know, we've got ideas where they're thinking about sending $60 billion abroad, 
but yet we have homeless veterans who can't get support from the VA. Yep. I mean, this is what's happening and why we have a $15,000 or 15,000 person miss in our recruitment because morale is low and constitutional vaccine mandates are, are purging out our leadership. And when I come in there, we are going to reinstate all benefits from those who are purged out of the military wrongfully because these unconstitutional mandates, some of which violate their religious beliefs. And if they want to go back in and they want to finish their service, they want to finish and retire, they will go back and should go back in their original ranks with their original like benefits that shouldn't be denied, taken away from them. We have to stop defunding our military. And let me tell you, 2.8% was the salary increase for our military veterans. We've got a lagging labor statistic rate of 10 to 12%. Right, You're right. defunding invisibly our military right, right, right now before our eyes. Why hasn't anyone on the left or the right said, hey, guess what? I have a solution for this. Let's put legislation in place that directly ties salary increase for our military to inflation rates so they yep. can never be invisibly be defunded. Yep. You know, these are things that are common sense pieces of legislation that should have been a top priority for America, but instead... They've been focused on enriching themselves on the stock market. This is one of one of my big concerns with the midterms is I'm not confident that the Republican Party has the will to win. Everything that you outlined makes absolute sense. It is um, really a reflection of you know who we are as Americans, um, understanding that our sovereignty, our freedom comes from God. It doesn't come from the government. The government has been entrusted with managing the resources that God has right. given to the government. Right. Uh, all of it makes sense. This should not even be a long conversation when legislation Agreed. like that comes for passing. The roadmap is called the Constitution of the United States. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. I don't know why we don't get it. I, I'm sure there are reasons. Do you think that the Republican Party has the will to carry these things forward? If we regain the House, um, the Senate, we have everything we need. <laughs> We can try to stop the president. Um, we'll do what we can. Does the Republican Party have the will to win? So here's what I would say. I think that as a result of the catastrophic and, and just destructive nature of this administration, which is it, it is it's deteriorating all of what America stands for. I think people are true. Americans are awake, not woke. And I think that we're starting to see where, you know, the lions who were asleep are now awake and ready to go. You know, that was one of the main reasons that I wanted to run was because I was sick of seeing the Republican Party or the Democrat Party not fight for our rights and liberties. And let me be clear. The Republican Party fights not to lose while the Democrats fight to win. Correct. That sounds like the same strategy, but it is not. A true definition, in my opinion, of a patriot and a politician is this. A politician looks to the future two to four years ahead for their reelection, but a patriot looks at the next generation and what we that's leave good. behind. That's good. And that's what we really are, white, are fighting towards. And I'll tell you, the new breed of conservative, who has always been, to be honest, the old breed of conservative, is coming back. You know, when you see patriots like Joe Kent, uh, you see like people like myself and Blake Masters and others who are willing to come forward and call yep. balls and strikes on both sides to drain the swamp. That's really what it was about for the American first agenda. It's the same thing our founding fathers were standing for. And to go back to what you talked about before, about, you know, what we stand for as America. Do you know all of our founding fathers, and they used to sign their documents, you know how they used to sign it? In the year of our Lord. Mm. Because they understood that there are inalienable rights that are afforded to us, not by government, but given and blessed by God. We have to restore community. 
And the way we strengthen community is strengthen the nuclear family. We have to go back to the micro and macro of things. We have to understand that a strong family, family unit, a strong nuclear family is a strong community, a strong community is a strong city, a strong city is a strong state, a strong state is a strong America. We have to get back to the fundamentals of what it is. And I think that this upcoming class, which I believe that we will be a part of because yep. we're ahead in the polls, we're the most yep. nationally endorsed in the, in the country, yep. we will usher in the old ways of peace through strength. We will usher in the conservative principles and understanding what our founding fathers warned us about. And we will ensure that our adversaries, to include those who are here in the domestic realm, are held accountable for their actions. That's awesome. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Corey, where can people um, not only follow you and learn more about your campaign, but but support you? Um, uh, There's there's so much to be said there. Uh, Joe Kent is incredible. The others who are running that you mentioned – Absolutely incredible. J.R. Majewski, he's another great one out of Ohio. And we've, we've got to get behind guys like yourself and others. How do, uh, how do people follow you? How do people support you? What do you want them to do? So, yeah, we're at Corey Mills FL when it comes to Twitter. Um, when it comes to our campaign, it's Mills, F-O-R, Florida, Mills for Florida.com. The biggest thing for me is, is that I know we don't have the same disposable income when you're looking at gas prices increasing, when you're looking at record high inflation, we're looking at the fact that we can't even find baby food on our, our aisles and our shelves and our grocery stores. I'm not asking as part of the government to take more money from your pocket. I just want your awareness, your trust, your support to get the message out, to make sure that we're screaming through the megaphone, that we're actually letting people know what's happening in our country. And we can take this back and get back to a freer, safer, more prosperous nation that I promised my kids and my grandkids. That's awesome. Corey Mills, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Grateful to have Corey on once again. You can see he is fired up. <laughs> he is excited, and we should be excited as well. Um, honestly, talking to him, and uh, he, he gave a list of others who are running for office. We have such an incredible opportunity in front of us if we'll elect the right people to represent us. And that's what's important uh, about the election. We are not electing people to go to a place to do things in private, to do what they think is right. Elected officials are there to represent us, Corey, and others uh, really understand that. They understand what it is to not only fight for freedom, to defend freedom, but to represent the ideals of freedom and what it is to be an American. Please follow Corey and uh, support him. Thankful for you following along on this episode and every episode. Three times a week we come together and, uh, I believe, deal with some very important topics Thank you for listening. If you are not yet subscribed to this podcast, uh, maybe you found us somehow, maybe you went to this episode uh, specifically, maybe you just try to remember. 
from week to week to go back and listen to the situation report. Stop it. (laughs) Go ahead and subscribe. That will let you know when new episodes come online. And we want to make sure you have access to those as soon as they come out. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, That transition time can be very, very difficult. I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community and really, in many ways, tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back, to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service that some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. (laughs) You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we served with remains. It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaux, and together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans, active duty service members, and more and more the first responders in our community. That's what we do. You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day. We run programs across the country for those who have served, veterans, or are serving, active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters, and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service, that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing, that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God, the Creator, has something He intends for them. And that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that He has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulty, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, but they won't maintain the hold and the control. 
Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope. And there is a community of people found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect. But we've taken some steps to move forward. And we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward, and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. The Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities. We'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all of the planning and all of the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, <laughs> the hope, the renewal that you need. We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club, or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us. That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all of your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization. There's an application for those who would like to apply. Fill that out, application out. Our team will get back to you, set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book, they would watch a video, they would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support. And that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Programs website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.